let's open up our Bibles today to Deuteronomy chapter 10. As today we look at the justice and love of God in our series on the attributes of God under the heading of Theology 101. The justice and love of God. Justice and love are two things that we don't see a whole lot today. You know, God one day will make every wrong right. And one day when we die or we get raptured, we will walk into pure love. But until then, it's, it's, it's masked. Until then, it's tough to, tough to find. You know, we live in a world where there's a lot of uh, partiality going on. There's a lot of injustices taking place in this planet that we live on. We live in a world in which love is hard to find. You know, I would say that if you have one person who really loves you, you are very rich. Because we are a selfish people. We are a fallen people. Uh, We are a wicked people. We are a hateful people. We are a vengeful people. By nature, that's who we are. You know, and a lot of times, even our spouse isn't saved. A lot of times, you know, we go around and our friends, you know, really aren't friends. A lot of times they just kind of want whatever it is that they want. And a lot of times individuals, and it's kind of an ugly thing. You know, we, we live for ourselves. And, you know, we're so busy with serving ourselves and taking care of our life. And you just name it. You go on and on and on. It's so hard to find love today even in the people that we surround ourselves with. You know, to a certain degree, I think we're blessed in this church. I think to a certain degree, I've heard people say, you know what, when I walked into the the church, I really, I felt that love. There was an atmosphere of agape. And I think to a certain degree, I I would agree, you know, but, but I think that really when, you know, it comes down to it, we have to settle in our hearts that the only one that really loves us with that pure love that will never change is God. You know, and and that's got to be enough in our life at times, you know, because I think a lot of times what ends up happening is when we take our eyes off the Lord and, and, and you know, we misunderstand the way that the Bible teaches that, you know, we're, 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 we're saved by grace, then we can really be discouraged because we get our eyes on men and God never, ever wants us to get our eyes on, on any man or woman. Our eyes must be on the Lord. And when you look at the Lord, the two attributes we'll see today, they are intended to encourage us. And that is that God is a just God and God is a a loving God. Now, when it comes to the love of God, I'll be honest with you, that's my favorite attribute, man. I, I wanted to do it all on the love of God, man. I wanted us to say, okay, let's just do the love of God and we'll all take off our shoes because we're standing on holy ground. The love of God is awesome. There's so many songs about the love of God. Why? Because the church understands how great that is. But before you get there, you always have to go back to the way that things are balanced out within the Bible. And we saw last week the holiness of God, and then we saw the graciousness of God. Two attributes, I think, that need to be close to each other. Today, we'll see the justice of God, and we'll see the love of God. Once again, I think two attributes that, in one sense, need to stay close to each other. Now, real quick, what is justice? 
Well, justice is, in God's kingdom, just laws and the execution of those laws which are fair. Number one, it consists of just laws and the execution of those laws which are fair. You can have a whole bunch of laws, but if they're not just, it's not righteous. We're going to see that justice and righteousness go together. So they're just and righteous laws. But then you can have a whole bunch of laws but never enforce them. That's not justice either. So you have these just and righteous laws that God has set up in his kingdom, in his universe, and the execution of every single one of those laws describes the justice of God. Now, the execution of that justice is then divided up into two things. Number one, God will reward the righteous. That's the justice of God. You know? Number two, God will punish the unrighteous. And when you look at that and you see that it's laid out across all of humanity and all of time, it really encourages you to know that God has just laws and that he executes those laws, rewarding the righteous, punishing the wicked. And when you read the Bible, you find that God is a just God. We begin here. We're going to just kind of go through some scriptures, first of all, just in case you're wondering, man, I don't know if God's a just God. Are you sure he's a just God? Yes, he's a just God. The Bible says he is. As a matter of fact, look what it says right here in verse 17 of Deuteronomy 10. It says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality, nor takes a bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. God has no favorites. And God sees everything that's going on. God shows no partiality. He has no favorites whatsoever. He loves those that a lot of times we would consider unlovable. And a lot of times, I don't know about you, but doesn't it just, man, grieve you guys when you see the way that some people will take advantage of the orphan and the widow? I mean, to me, they are the most helpless of all. And so you see stuff like, going, like that going on, and you learn how God operates, and you learn who he is. He's got no favorites And one day, all those wrongs that are taking place will be made right. Sometimes we see it sooner, but if not sooner, we will see it later. That God will administer justice. His heart goes out to the individuals. And real quick, I don't want to jump into this too quick, but real quick, I do want to say this to you, that these are the communicable attributes of God, the moral attributes of God, and that means that we should be like him. We should be holy, we should be gracious, we should be just. And so if you ever see an injustice taking place, and you do nothing about it, then you are unjust. Because we've got to be like God, right? The best that we can. Now, if the injustice is towards yourself, I encourage you to slow down. <laughs> Wait. Let yourself be wronged at times. That's how God is. But anyways, God is a just God. He administers justice. We see it throughout the scriptures here in Deuteronomy chapter 10. Over in Deuteronomy 32, if you would turn there. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Notice what it says here in verse 3. 
says, For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock. That means he'll never change, right? His work is perfect for all his ways are justice. Maybe you're here today and you feel like an injustice is taking place in your own life. God says, no, you're my, you're my child. I want you to know that this is all just, that what's going to happen is in the end, you're going to see that even those things that were seen to be wrongdoings going on in your own life, they're going to be used by, by me to modify your character and to change who you are. How many of you here wished you could grow the easy way? I mean, don't you wish you could just grow the easy way? Like, Lord, just make it simple, man. And in one sense, there is an element to that, man. You hear the word of God and you do it. That's the easy way, right? But if you want to go deep, you've got to go through the fire. And as you go through the fire, and sometimes we put ourselves there, but don't lose heart because you're God's son and child. God is going to do a work in your life. But understand this, that he is preparing you, man. He is preparing you as you do not lose heart and you stay on the road of righteousness and you continue to go forward. Don't get your eyes on people. Go forward. He is preparing you for the ministry, not only here, but he is preparing you for the ministry in the kingdom. Isn't that cool? Because a lot of times we're thinking, oh, I want it right now. I want the ministry right now. And that's cool. You know, we're going to get, you know, what God wants us to have here and right now. But think greater. Think deeper, think more faithful that one day in the millennial kingdom, because of your faithfulness and because God has been preparing us and you're not kicking against the goads, you're just saying, okay, Lord, I I love you, I trust you, that he is preparing you for the work in the kingdom of God. And that's that's the way it operates, you know? God's not an unjust God. But the ones that will receive the greater blessings a lot of times are the ones who experienced the greater battles. And so he says, listen, there's no injustice. This is all me. I'm, I'm a just God. You know, we read, if you would, go over to Psalm 37. And you see this often within the Psalms because oftentimes in the Psalms, you know, David was wronged and the individual was wronged. But he wants to proclaim to us If you look over at Psalms 37, verse 28, for the Lord loves justice. The Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. We see the same thing earlier in Psalm 33, verse 5. He loves righteousness and justice. And just in case you're wondering, when you study the attributes of God, righteousness and justice, they they are together. You'll see that over and over throughout the theology books. You see, the Lord is a God who administers justice for those who are being you know, persecuted, the widow, the orphan, the Christian who finds himself underneath that banner of injustice. God says, listen, I want you to know that I, I, I'm totally on the throne and I'm going to make everything right. As a matter of fact, I want to encourage you to trust that truth in such a way that you would take this to heart so that you can have victory in your life. You know, one of the stories that the pastor shared, his name is John Michaels, and he was a, a pastor in Las Vegas for 30 years, man. I mean, think about it. Being a pastor in Sin City for it was literally 28 years. And, uh, you know, he was talking about how one time in the ministry, 
what ended up happening was someone started accusing him of things. Someone came against him. It wasn't within his church. It was outside in the city, but they were gaining momentum. They started getting people on their side. And next thing you know, it was just such a crushing thing to him. It was such a, a grieving thing to him. And that and that's that that's the way it works. I mean, you know, it's hard to put into words, man, but you know, when, when someone comes against you and, and here you are, you're trying to serve the Lord, you're trying to do what's right, or, you know, and, and someone comes with absolutely no, you know, merit and, you know, they see things the way they want to and next thing you know, they're starting to talk behind your back and stuff. What ends up happening is it hurts so deeply. And to him, you know, I guess he wasn't really, um, you know, all that, you know, grounded as far as being a minister. He just wanted to, he just wanted to leave the ministry, you know, it, it was a pain that was so deep. He said, you know what, I, I'll just go back to my old job. And he had a really good job prior to being a pastor. And so he went to Chuck, he went to Pastor Chuck, and he said, Pastor Chuck, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. Can you give the church to someone else? I'm going to just, you know, I don't want this type of stuff because, you know, all these things that they're hurling at me, these accusations and criticisms and things like that, you know, I just, I don't know, man. It, it just, it's, it's just eating me up. And so um, Pastor Chuck said, listen, listen. He kind of got a little information. He said, this is all I'm going to ask you to do. Two things. Number one, what I want you to do is just examine your life. If you've done nothing wrong, then don't defend yourself. A lot of times, what do we want to do? We want to defend ourselves. Okay, if you defend yourself, God won't defend you. So what would you rather have? <laughs> I'd rather have God defend me. Okay, and then Pastor Chuck said, this is the second thing I want you to do. I just want you to go back and teach the Bible. Just teach the people the Bible. Don't worry about him or her or this or that. Just teach them the Bible. And so he talked them into it, and thank God he did. God did a tremendous work in Las Vegas. They touched the whole world. They used to be called Calvary Chapel Las Vegas, but then they really began to get involved in missions work and so they had to change their name to Calvary Chapel Spring Valley because no one would take them seriously. <laughs> Calvary Chapel Las Vegas? Yeah, right, you know. <laughs> God did a tremendous work. They planted 50 churches in Southeast Asia. It's awesome what God's done. But here's the thing. The thing is this. A year later, that guy that was coming against them, that guy was gaining so momentum, that guy, you know, who was causing all the problems? Gone. Totally Gone. And his gombas in prison. I mean, it was just awesome what God did, man. <laughs> you see, it's okay to administer justice and those people over there and, you know, get involved, take care of them. But when it comes to yourself, there's certain times where you just got to just, you know what, give it to the Lord. Let the Lord take care of it. He'll do a much better job. Why? Because he's a God of justice. And we need to know that, that he makes every wrong right. He deals with it. He says, I love justice and I will defend my people. Isaiah thirty eighteen it says, Therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. Therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. Why? For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. You know, I don't know about you, man, but sometimes when you see the things that are going on and sometimes it's your things at work and sometimes it's things, you know, in this financial world that we live in and sometimes it's even things in the ministry or wherever it's at in life, you know, you look around and you're like, what's up with that? That's just totally wrong. And it can, it can bring you down. And God says, you know what? You know, take heart, use wisdom. If there's something that you want, you know, got to do, then God will show you. But know this. 
that God is going to take care of every single one of those things. Every single one. Why? Because he executes laws of justice. He sets them up. And in his justice, he will punish the disobedient. And in his justice, we're going to see he's going to reward the righteous, the obedient. You know, God is a just God. We know as we read that throughout the scripture, Psalm 711, God is a just judge. Isaiah 45, 21, God is a just God. You know, when you read Matthew chapter 27, verse 19 and verse 24, it talks about Jesus being a just man. And we see that again over in the book of Acts, over and over again. And you need to know that, you guys. I pray that would encourage you when you see all the things that are going on, a lot of times in our own life, that you just, man, I don't know, Lord, that's not right. It doesn't feel right. Know who God is. He is the judge. He sits on the throne. His, the Bible says the foundation of his throne is justice. And so that's really cool when you really let that sink in. You see, God has these laws. One of the laws he has is that nothing impure can get to heaven. There can be no darkness, no sin whatsoever in heaven. That's part of his justice. That's part of who he is. And he can't just say, you know, a lot of times people say, well, well if, why, I don't understand why God just doesn't let everybody go to heaven. I mean, I would, right? You probably say, yeah, I'd let everybody go to heaven, right? <laughs> because you're not just. You're not. You might be Justin, but you're not just. There's a guy named Justin there. I'm sorry, Ben, you're not just. No, that was corny. I'm sorry about that. But anyways, if you have that mentality, then you know what? You are not just. As a matter of fact, hell is a place that expresses the justice of God. See, there's laws and they're righteous laws and every single one of those laws will be executed flawlessly. You know, we have laws, but we don't execute them flawlessly. God will. But here they are and you're like, okay, Manny, once again, no sin or no darkness can get to heaven. Then what hope do I have? And how can this guy work in Las Vegas, man? And that's where the love of God now begins to come in. Once again, and we're always balancing these things, the holiness of God, the graciousness of God, the justice of God, and now we look at the love of God. And the love of God is such a huge attribute. Uh, You know, I, I wish we could just spend the rest of the day on it. You know, one of the cool things about the conference last night, you know, to be honest with you, I'll share with you guys, I kind of was thinking, oh, maybe I should leave early, you know, because you want to get home and you want to do different things and stuff. And, and, you know, thank God I listened to what I believe was the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he said, no, I want you to stay. I want you to stay for the last study. And last night was an awesome night, but it was a long night. I mean, the study itself was an hour and a half. But then after that, you know, we had guys come up and we prayed for them. Men were weeping. Men were weeping out loud. The Holy Spirit was moving, you know. And sometimes, you know, we need like a, maybe a longer service. Or maybe you could have some homework. And maybe your homework will be, God, I need, I need your love. You want to know whether or not you really know the love of God for yourself? It's whether or not you give the love of God to others. Whether or not within your life there's that unconditional, sacrificial, seeking someone else's highest good 
expecting nothing in return. It doesn't matter who they are or how they are. You love them because you're a lover. And a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, it's nothing to do with feelings. And I'll be honest with you. You know what? I think it does sometimes. You know, I understand that sometimes you don't have a feeling of love towards maybe an enemy or something. But you know what? More often than not, there's got to be something in your heart. There's got to be something in your heart for them. I think that's really what happens when you have love. Theologians tell us that it's not emotionally based, but it's not separate from emotions. The Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion. And that talks about something stirring within his guts. It's just like a love that he had for the people. And when the Lord gets a hold of you and he shows you who he is and and his amazing love for you, and when that really begins to sink in deep, God, you still love me? Yes, I still love you. What about after this? Yes, I still love you. Then what ends up happening is you begin to unconditionally love others and God does a great work in your life. Um, One of the most amazing verses is over in 1 John chapter 4. If you want to turn there, First John chapter 4, notice what it says in verse 8, first of all. It says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. You know, and a lot of times, man, we have more people on our hit list, our hate list, than we do on our love list. Man, you're, 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 <laughs> you're in trouble, man. Because if you don't love your brother, then you are like, like violating the core of who God is. Because he just says, you know what, you got to love your brother. If you don't love your brother, you don't know God. And he doesn't say because God loves your brother. He says because God is love. That's huge. And he says the same thing back down in verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. You know what makes the world go round? They say it's love, huh? Love makes the world go round. You know, God loves each of us. And I don't know if you know that or not. I don't know if you ever think about that or not. Probably chances are you don't. I mean, you know, it sounds kind of weird. Manny, you're being a romantic. No, I'm not being a romantic. I'm being a theologian. And I do understand. You know how important love is, don't you? I mean, you know that. You've read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You've read Galatians 5. You know how important love is. You know that. But you go out and you try to love others. And a lot of times it's not there. And someone does something wrong. They do something wrong just to click. And next thing you know... You don't got any love. Because now you're a different person. Now you're treating them mean. Now you're saying things about them. Now you're distancing yourself from them. I'm sorry. You don't know love. And so what's up? Well, it's because you can't give it out because you, you really don't have it. You really haven't discovered what love is and how much God loves you. God loves you so much. God loves you. You're the apple of his eye. God made you. God spoke you into existence. 
And then he fashioned you with his hands. And then what he did is he put a specific DNA and he had a specific plan. Beautiful, wonderful, amazing plan for your very life. And his thoughts towards you are as the sand of the sea. He's always thinking about you, madly in love with you. And the Bible says that as you, you know, let that love sink in. As we, um, like Paul said, um, the love of God has been poured into my heart. He said later, the love of Christ, it compels me. When it comes in, it then moves you. It then, it, you know, motivates you. It changes you. And your attitude towards that person over there who, you, you know what, bugs you. And God says, you know what, you just love people who like you, huh? You just like people who like you. You don't love those who maybe are harder, more difficult, the unlovable ones, huh? And you're like, and I think a lot of us here we would say, yeah, in all honesty, Lord, I'm sorry, that's how I am. And that's cool. But whatever you do, don't live in that. You know, the Bible says that it's the love of God that compels us. I like what one individual said. They said, not where I breathe, but where I love, I live. Where you love, that's where you live. Not where you breathe, not where you walk around. That's got to be in our heart. But the only way that will be in our heart is if we know how much God loves us. You know, we've got to have the attitude that I share with you guys many times. God loves everybody, but I'm his favorite. We kind of have to have that type of attitude. Augustine said this, God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. It's cool, huh? One individual said this, God soon turns from his wrath, but he never turns from his love. And it's true. Now, of course, the love is not always like a gooey love. We know it's a comforting love as well as a correcting love, but that's good news because that means that God's going to take care of us, you guys. Uh, Do you find comfort with God's discipline? I I would (laughs) if I was you, because that means that he's going to keep you. He's going to take care of you. But what we need to know is that in that discipline, God is working in us. If you go over to Jeremiah chapter 31, we have a very important verse. It's a familiar verse. Some people would say, I don't know if this is the way that it works. And God says, yeah, well, this is what my word says. In verse 3, it says, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. See, the thing about the love of God is that it's an everlasting love. And literally in the Hebrew, it speaks of a love that never had really a beginning It never will have an ending. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, in life, the way it works itself out is that thing we call kindness. And God says, I'm going to be compassionate towards you and kind towards you. And in that type of love, I will draw you to myself. Now, of course, some people kick against the goads. Not everyone lets the love of God sink in. That's why they are the way they are. And a lot of times, a lot of us here have a uh, misconception of what love is because we were loved in ways that, you know, that that just kind of twisted everything about us. I mean, some girls, you know, they grew up and the guy said, hey, if you love me, you know, you'll give yourself to me. And they think 
that's what love is, or some parents, what they do is they buy their kids everything and they, they teach them that that's what love is. Love is getting and love is, you know, giving financially. And, you know, some people, you know, they have all these misconceptions. They never had it growing up from their parents. It wasn't really there. Someone really looking out for them, someone really caring for them, somebody, you know, just taking care of them and keeping them within those boundaries. They just don't know what love is. And so it's hard. It's hard to understand it sometimes. You know, but when you come to the Lord and you begin to read His Word, you understand, well, this is what love is. It's not, you know, getting everything you want. It's not an easy life. It's God taking care of you. And God watching out for you. And God not beating you up. But God's kindness towards you and, and then you blow it and we don't do that lightly but you, you just realize man that that you know like I tell Shelly sometimes I say sorry babe you're stuck with me man and, and God kind of says that to us he says I know you know this happened but you know you're stuck with me I, I love you so much I love you I'll always love you I'll never break up with you I'll never divorce you I will pursue you And it's hard, it's hard to receive because we don't see it in this world that we live in. But we read about it and we see it with different eyes. That love, I almost can't define it, but that love draws people. That love will draw your people to the Lord. You know, the ones that are around you, your friends, you know, you can tell them that they're sinners and you can beat them up and you can tear them up and, and everything, you know. And, and you might think that's love. And again, I don't know every situation and every conversation, man. But you know what? It's not just about making a convert. Sometimes it's about making a friend. They won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You really care. I'm not talking about street witnessing. You go street witnessing, yeah, do it that way. But other than that, be a friend to them. Reach out to them. You see, um, John Michaels was talking about the ministry there in Las Vegas, and he was just talking about how, you know, that's you know, a crazy place. Some people would think that it's a difficult place to minister in, but he said actually it was kind of an easier place because everybody there knew they were sinners. How many of you here have been to Las Vegas? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> confession time all right now i'm just joking <laughs> you know some of you here haven't i hadn't gone to las vegas to be honest with you until not too long ago i went to go visit my mom and i won a thousand bucks but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no i didn't but it's a trip man they have slot machines everywhere huh i mean you go to the bathroom the slot machines there it's crazy las vegas is crazy you know you go to las vegas and they can just fulfill any addiction you you have you got lust pornography gambling i mean women i mean money i mean drugs um alcohol it's all there right and so people would say man ministry in there must be difficult and it, it turned out in the end that he said you know what it wasn't because they knew they were sinners all they needed was to be loved and you know this is what i've understood you know, some people have an understanding of what the gospel is 
And they'll go out and they'll share it, but a lot of times it's not with love. And others, I think what God wants is saying, man, rare is it that you find an individual who will go out there on the highways and the byways and the streets and the witnesses and all that, and they share the pure gospel with a heart of love. But see, that's what you guys are. That's what God is raising up in our hearts. And there in Las Vegas, it worked out really well. And he just said, I'm just going to love them and I'm going to teach them the word. Love them, teach them the word. If you ever start a church or a ministry, just do that. Love them and teach them the word. Love them and teach them the word. And that's what he would do. And he said, one day this lady got saved. And this is when they were just uh, starting off 50 people. And this lady got saved and she worked in uh, that horseshoe casino. Is that what it's called? Horseshoe? Uh, Something like that. Horseshoe casino. Anyways, it's a big casino. And she got saved. And what ended up happening was the Lord really did a work. And some people were telling him, hey, you should tell her not to work there. You know, tell her not to work there. And he said, you know what? I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm just going to continue to teach her the word and teach her the word. You know, I'm not going to be the Holy Spirit in their life. I'm going to give them the word and and I'm just going to, you know, share the gospel with them. And so what ended up happening was um, as time progressed, she grew stronger in her relationship with the Lord. She was still working there in the casino. But as she was there working, um, what ended up happening was there was a, a, the manager, the big guy in the hotel, that was just giving her a really hard time, really hard time, man, just totally abusive and just saying things to her that he said, I can't even repeat to you. And she just kept loving him and loving him until finally one day, you know, this is the way it worked out. She said, you know, you would never say that to my pastor, and, and the guy, um, he said, yes, I would. I would tell your pastor. Where, where's your Bible study at? And, you know, he got the address. And I'll go down there. I'll tell your pastor the same things I'm telling you, you know. And so what she did is she went home for the midweek service. And she went and uh, she uh, talked to the pastor a little bit before the study. And she said, this, this guy is giving me a really hard time. He's been telling me all these vicious, ugly things. And I finally just told him he would never tell you that. And he said that he would. And so he's coming here tonight <laughs> to, tell you <laughs> to tell you that. And so um, he's all, thank you. Okay, thanks. Yeah. You know what? If I could tell you guys, don't ever say that, okay? <laughs> no, I'm just joking. What ended up happening was he came. He came to the study and he came with his wife. And you know what? Um, the list of ministry in the heart of John Michaels is he just shared the word in love. He just shared the love of Jesus Christ, the cross, Calvary, the blood that was shed, and how no matter what you've done, he still loves you, and there's not a sin that we can commit that he can't forgive. And, you know, just sharing the love. And so after it was all done, the guy came up, and, you know, it was, was kind of cool because everybody had already left, and so he said, thank God that he has the decency not to do it in front of everybody, but he came up with his wife, and he just, you know, he, he, he tried to talk, and at first he couldn't talk. He started, you know, stuttering up. And then finally the words came out, and he just said, I want to receive Christ, my Lord and Savior. He got saved by the love of God. He went out, and what ended up happening is there was a revival that took place. It was totally the Lord. And so, you want to know what happened, man? From that point on, this guy was sharing with everybody, and he said every week there'd be 20, 25 people that were getting saved and getting baptized week after week after week. 
everybody from the hotel, you know, and, <laughs> to the point where now it's a church. No, I'm just joking. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on now. But, you know, the thing that, 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 that he was sharing with us and that he was communicating to us is just how important that love is. I know sometimes you think it's in vain and sometimes you want to stop, but don't. And the way that we will reciprocate that love and give out that love is when we really, really begin to understand that God is still in love with us. I'm like, Lord, I gained a few pounds. You still love me? He says, yeah, I still love you. I said, Lord, I don't like my hair anymore. Do you still love me? God says, yeah, I love you. You know, and Lord, I blew it again. I hate it when I do that. You still love me? He says, yeah, I still love you. I'm working on you. Do you know that God loves you? The other day, um, one of the things I do, and I don't know why, it probably is wrong, but I try to just maintain this with my family, you know, I don't want to scare them and hopefully I'm not damaging their souls or hearts or anything, but I tell them, you know what, no one has tomorrow guaranteed. Uh, you know, I might die. You might die. We always have to understand that's the way we live life. And so one day the Lord, just last week, the Lord laid on my heart to really get a hold of my kids because the Bible says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. And so I really got a hold of my kids and I grabbed them by the shoulders and I looked into their eyes and I said, Aaron, do you know how much I love you? And I was just listening for his response because it wasn't just going to be in the words that he said, it was going to be in the way that he said it. I said, do you know how much I love you? And I'll never forget, I saw it, I saw it in his eyes. He said, Dad, I know how much you love me. And then I did the same thing with Ariel. I said, Ariel, do you know how much I love you? And I could see it in her eyes, you know. She said, Dad, I know how much you love me. And part of the reason for that is because I know how important Father's love is. And when we have the chance, we want to give that out. But I think the Lord, you know, even sometimes when we haven't had that growing up, or we don't have that around us, we can't see that in individuals. The Father does love us. And I'm determined to say, Lord, your love is enough. And if he got a hold of you today and he looked you into the eyes and, and he asked you, do you really believe that I love you? What would you say? I hope you would say, yes, Father. I, I believe you love me. I, I might not see it in the circumstances, but Lord, I remember your word, Romans 5, verse 8. It says, God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. At the cross, it always says, I love you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. If you ever wonder whether or not God loves you, all you have to do 
is look at the cross. I mean, he says it over and over again. I love you, I love you, I love you. You read that in the Bible. But when you look at the cross, you see it demonstrated. And, you know, I encourage you guys today to get to know God, you know, different attributes. We're not going to cover all of them, but we'll cover some of them. The holiness of God, the graciousness of God, the justice of God. But let the love of God flood your heart. You know, the justice of God stems from His holiness, but the graciousness of God, it stems from His love. And when you look at that and you see who He is, it's an awesome thing. One person said this, you learn to speak by speaking, to study by studying, to run by running, to work by working. And just so you learn to love God and, and, and others by, by loving. Begin as a mere apprentice and the very power of love will lead you on to become a master of the art. Take a step of faith. You show God that you love him by obeying him. Take a step of faith and love somebody who doesn't deserve it because that's what God has done for us. I read a story about a monk. He was a medieval monk and he announced to his congregation that he would be preaching the next Sunday evening on the love of God. And so, you know, it's a wonderful topic and so a lot of people came out that night and as the shadows fell and the light ceased to come in through the windows, the congregation gathered in to a sanctuary that was virtually dark. In the darkness of that night, the monk then lighted a candle. And what he did with that candle is he carried it over to the cross. Now I know our crosses don't have Jesus on them anymore because we know he's not there, he's risen. But let me tell you, it's good to see that every once in a while. And what he did in that darkness and with that candle is he, he lifted up the candle a little higher and he showed to the congregation the crown of thorns upon Jesus' head. And then he took it to the sides and to his hands and he showed the congregation the nail-pierced hands. He brought it down to Jesus' feet and he exposed and illuminated the feet that were nailed there. And he brought him up to the pierced side of Christ. And when he was done, he came back to the middle of the altar, he blew out the candle, and he left. Because there was really nothing else to say. It was the cross. The cross of Christ shows us the love of God. And so, Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Lord, we don't see a lot of justice. And we don't experience a lot of love sometimes. But we know one day, Lord, we'll be home. And every wrong will be made right. And we will walk into that love. And we will 
emulate that love in a perfect and beautiful way. In the meantime, Lord, we walk by faith, knowing that all the things that we're going through are under the banner of your sovereignty. As you sit on the throne, you're a just judge. And as you open your heart, you're a wonderful father to us. Thank you, Lord, for showing us who you are. Just thank you for being who you are. We love you, Lord. We want to love you. Raise up a real church, Lord. Raise up people, Father, who have hearts like yours. Make me that man, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.